Europe's elite competition grips the world of soccer every season. We partner with InfoGoal to examine the data behind some of the biggest matches soccer has to offer and assist you in finding value in the markets. This is the Champions League Betting Blueprint. We're down to the final eight in the Champions League. And to break it all down, the UCL, the Champions League betting blueprint returns right here, courtesy of Pinnacle. Gareth Wheeler alongside Jake Osgathorpe, the Wizard of Oz, uh, or odds, take your pick. And the Bees Knees, Andrew Beasley makes his triumphant return to the podcast as well. Gentlemen, good to see you. The draw is done and dusted. We are mere days away. As the calendar has flipped, we are in the month of April and the Champions League Final Eight will play out over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, Over the course of this podcast, we'll get into the individual matchups, try to dissect and find if there's any value. In the individual games or the teams advancing in this competition, we'll deal with the matchup specifically and we'll deal with big picture in terms of potential future plays that you can find on Pinnacle as well. Uh, Let's start things off with the draw because the last time we convened, I know that, well, I think both of you were really um, thinking that Bayern Munich was a salient play, that this team was a juggernaut. They drew PSG. They really made light work of Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi, and company. Then lo and behold, everything hits the proverbial fan. They draw Manchester City in the in the final eight of this competition. Julian Nagelsmann is out as manager. Thomas Tuchel is in. And all of a sudden, perhaps that Bayern Munich lock-on play, that, that firm play, um, perhaps that sentiment is wavered to a certain degree. Has it, Jake? Um, I don't know. It's a really weird one for me because... On paper, Nagelsmann is the better manager for the future to, you know, improve the overall team. But Thomas Tuchel is the better manager for the here and now, getting results and winning trophies. So, um, you know, I, I liked what Nagelsmann was doing. I thought he was a little bit unfortunate to be dismissed. But um, we know that Bayern have been long admirers of, of Thomas Tuchel. They wanted him when he left Dortmund. So um, we know it's something he's always been on their radar. Um, but yeah, I think his appointment actually gives them a little bit of a, a more of an edge. Than uh, than Manchester City um, over Manchester City, sorry. So yeah, I, I think it's. I'm still happy with my play at Bayern because we got a, a pretty big number at the start of the tournament. Um, they're still second favourites. I think the joint second favourites, Napoli, have joined them now at plus three fifty. Um, but yeah, I, the, the two short thing, the change of manager is not really putting me off. Um, and obviously, the other thing that we can we can point to is the fact that you know Pep always has something up his sleeve that usually backfires in this competition. So there's always a chance of that happening as well. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment, Andrew? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the Thomas Tuchel appointment was the sort of standout thing, uh, really, that's that's happened ahead of these ties. Um, you know, there's 15 managers Guardiola's faced at least 10 times. And his third worst record is against Tuchel. Obviously, there was the 2021 Champions League final, most notably. So I think, um, you know, I wouldn't say that heavily tips it in Bayern's favour, but I think they've got a, probably a better chance than they did when um, Nagelsmann's in charge, just as as Jake says, the sort of here and now impact has, has, has got to be huge. So, um, yeah, I, I'm still confident that uh, that they'll get through. Uh, it, it wasn't just, you know, Nagelsmann out, Tuchel in, the Man City draw. The draw in general 
played against uh, played against Bayern Munich potentially based upon really the strength of the draw when it came out residing on one side. Uh, Real Madrid will face Chelsea in the other match in that side of the bracket. The other side is three three Italian teams right now. Napoli, who's running away with the Serie A right now, they're going to end up taking on AC Milan and Benfica. As impressive they, as they've been, they now take on a very stingy and tight and difficult to play against Inter Milan side. So looking at the outright to, to win the Champions League outright, the board on pinnacle. City are favorites at plus 225. Bayern Munich at plus 350. Napoli also at plus 350. Real Madrid has shifted a little bit further out at plus 694. Chelsea plus 1393. Benfica plus 1399. Inter plus 1402. And AC Milan, the long shot side of the final eight at plus 2494. Andrew, what stands out to you about the draw or potentially any of those numbers, what the board looks like for the future, uh, the, for the future outrights? Yeah, I, I quite like how the draw has fallen with sort of what you might consider the four favorites on one side and the the other teams on the other side. So it keeps it quite interesting compared to, to sort of some previous years. I mean, the thing that stands out for me from the outright um, market, the bane of my life, Real Madrid at plus 694. I mean, I have to think that they've, they've got a chance because they, we go through this every year. They, they, you know, they get through these ties that, that you might not expect. I would fully expect them to get past Chelsea and then they're in the, the semi-final. So, I mean, that that's the price that, that sort of stands out to me from the, the outright. Um, I sort of agree that probably Napoli are the best bet from the other side of the draw, but um, you know it's still a big ask for them to uh, to go all the way when they're unfamiliar with this sort of stage of the competition. But um, yeah, that Real Madrid at plus six ninety four is looking at me uh, quite appealingly, unfortunately. Jake, yeah, um, I I have the opposite view of Real Madrid. Uh, I didn't think they looked great against Liverpool, um, and we know that this Liverpool team have. Well, really flattered to deceive this season, haven't they? They've been really poor by their high standards. And and Real Madrid, another scoreline was emphatic over two legs. But, you know, the, the second leg was a bit of a formality, wasn't it? And it was only a clinical display at Anfield and some really bad defending that had them in such a commanding position. I think whoever be, whoever comes through the city buying game will beat whoever comes through the Madrid-Chelsea game because, again, Chelsea haven't really impressed. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of value in taking Benfica at plus 13.99. I, you know, the... People forget they came through a group of PSG and Juventus. Uh, they topped that group. They you know, went unbeaten. They scored an absolute hatful of goals. Yes, they've lost Enzo Fernandez, but the rest of the team is still intact from back to front. And um, I'd make them favourites to progress past Inter Milan, Inter, scrape past um, Porto in the last round on aggregate. Um, and Benfica are a much better team than Porto. You only have to look at the Portuguese uh, Premier League to, to see that Benfica are they're not quite running away with it to Napoli standards, but they, they are setting a very, very um, good pace. And I, I think if it got to the semi-finals, Napoli, Benfica, two really good young, hungry teams, be a fascinating match. But I, I definitely think that there should be um there shouldn't be as big a gulf between Napoli and Benfica in the in the outright market right now, because I don't think that there is that much of a gulf between the teams in terms of um, you know, in terms of quality. And then the other thing you factor in is that Napoli. The 21 points clear in the Serie A league, like, you know, they're, they're going to have feet up at some point. That can be a positive, but it can also be a massive negative. You know, you look at PSG year in, year out. A few years ago when they had the, the Liga and title wrapped up, it played against them because they were not used to playing. Um, you know, they, they looked like they'd lost a bit of match fitness and match sharpness by not playing as regularly. 
Um, and the inexperience, I guess, is there for both teams. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to have a fascinating couple of semi-finals. I really hope it's Napoli Benfica in the semi-final. But then again, a Milan derby in the semi-final of the Champions League would be ridiculously yeah. fun, wouldn't it? Um, over under two hundred and fifty-six cards, I think, would be the line. So <laughs> that would be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I think at this moment in time, I'd be taking Benfica because if they advance fast into as I expect, then the line's going to shorten, and you're going to be in a good position from a value perspective. Any thoughts on on what Jake had to say, Andrew? Yeah, no, it, it's fair comment. I mean, I think Napoli are the better side, but um, as he rightly says, I mean, Benfica um, are having a great season. I think they're ten points clear, something like that, and uh, they're up against Inter. I think Inter's tie with Porto was the most sort of unjust if you go on the expected goals for which team got through. And obviously, as we said, Benfica are, are better than Porto. So um, yeah, I mean, it makes a good case at that price. They, they're probably worth thinking about. Uh, what's incredible about Benfica playing in the Portuguese league, they have a plus 50.4 expected goal differential, courtesy of our friends at InfoGoal. So they go on and sell on an Enzo Fernandez for $100 million and they simply don't skip a beat. What's interesting, right before um, the first game um, against Inter, they do play Porto, and they're the team that's trying to chase Benfica down. Just something to keep in mind as you as you look ahead to this. Um, look, Napoli has been the dominant team in, in, in Europe. Um, they did well getting out of the Champions League group featuring Andrew's beloved Liverpool. Um, but this side, when the, the draw was completed, I and inevitably kind of look at the big picture, how the bracket can play out. I inevitably made a Napoli bet right away at, at plus 350. It stayed consistent there. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why, because they've been able to manage these Italian sides and two other ones feature on their side of the bracket over, over the course of the season. I also did make a play Andrew on the thorn in your side in Real Madrid. Simply put, I'm a little bit surprised that the markets haven't shifted more away from city and Bayern Munich because being joint favorites, because they play one another and you know, you might tip one side over the other, but these are the two best sides in the competition. But one of them is not going to be advancing to the semifinal round. And whether it's a coin flip, whether you believe that there's a decided advantage of one over the other, I just don't think that Chelsea's very good. And I think that this Real Madrid side is capable of beating either one of those sides. The numbers actually shifted out. I played them at plus 600, and now it's sitting at plus 694 on Pinnacle. Are either one of you a little bit surprised that things have shifted out? What has changed? Is it perception, Jake, or is it in the data? Um, I think it's a bit of both. The data has not been good recently. The performances haven't been great. Um, you know, they got well beaten in, well, I say well beaten, it was a last minute goal, but it was a very one-sided game in El Clasico before the international break. Um, and I guess that could play into their favour, the fact that the, the La Liga title is probably beyond them right now. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, I think... My concern with them is that they're going through a little bit of a transition period in the sense that they are trying to in, introduce good younger players, the likes of Kamavinga getting more game time and Chimeni, Um, that that might be a little bit of a, a problem. Um, and I just don't think they're as good as Man City and Bayern Munich. And, you know, that 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 little, they had a lot of luck last season on their way to, to winning it. They deserve to, you know... They, Courtois was basically the man that won them the title in the, in the final. And before that, it just seemed like they were doing their best to get knocked out before pulling a rabbit out of the hat. So that only lasts for so long in knockout competitions. And I'd be hugely surprised if they if they repeated. I really would. Um, but just going back to Napoli, I think it is worth highlighting, while they have looked brilliant 
The underlying data has been fantastic. They've not played anyone that's any good for the whole season. Because I don't think Serie A is very good this season. I think it's a very weak edition of Serie A. Um, you know, I know we've got three teams in the Champions League, but they've all had a very kind route to, to get here. You know, AC Milan beat Tottenham and Tottenham are rubbish. Inter Milan got past Porto and you're all right, Porto are not a bad side, but they're not of the level of, you know, the likes of City by Munich. And Napoli in their group, they played Rangers, who, you know, finished bottom every time they, they step into the Champions League. Ajax, who were, you know, not the same team at the start of the no. season, Eric Ten Hag just moved on, lost a lot of players. Not the same team now, Jake. Not yeah, the same they've steadied the ship a little bit. They're still in the title race, but um, they definitely are not the Ajax of yesteryear. And obviously Liverpool, you know, fair play, they've topped Liverpool. But again, Liverpool aren't the same team that we've seen in recent years. So, you know, and then Frankfurt was a bit of a layup in the in the last round as well. So they've had a very easy run to this stage. Um, I think they could well have an easy run to the semi-finals because... That Napoli and AC Milan know each other very well. They actually play each other. We, we're recording this on the 31st of March. They actually play each other this weekend. So we've almost got a dress rehearsal before the two-legged tie. And um, yeah, that's the only thing that puts me off Napoli outright to win the whole thing is because if they did come up against a City or a Bayern in the final, uh, they might find themselves a little bit overmatched. The, per- perhaps they might bend, but Andrew, you know, they might not play one of the big dogs until the Champions League final. And then in in, in a one-game you win or you don't, you might fancy their chances based on some of the talent that they have in that side. You saw Napoli, um, you know, you, you know, play Liverpool. You saw Real Madrid play Liverpool. What are your thoughts on these in, in these sides? Are are they very different from one another? And what kind of um what kind of strengths and weaknesses do they possess? Yeah, it's quite hard to compare the how they sort of played against Liverpool because the um, away game for Liverpool against Napoli was, well, it was their worst performance of the season. They've since plumbed lower depths than that, uh, I think, probably. <laughs> but um, they were very poor that night. And then obviously the return game was effectively a dead rubber unless Liverpool won about four or five nil, I think it was. I forget now. But um, yeah, so uh, they... I mean, they, they've impressed me. Um, you know, I haven't seen sort of a lot of them in Syria particularly, but they've, they've certainly impressed me. And I think, um, Jake was right earlier when he said about Madrid. I mean, they did against Liverpool, you know, they, they were on the ropes really two nil down and then they just sort of come through with, I think, did they have nine shots and score five goals or something like that, which shouldn't be possible. I think there was, you know, one from the set piece, one was deflected, one on the break near the end. And then the second leg was a bit of a non-event. So, um, yeah, I think um, Napoli could possibly get the get the better of them if they were to play each other in the in the final. But I think um, you know, I'd still back Madrid with their experience and everything they've got of of the two. I think. I just think Vinicius Junior is unplayable at times. Benzema, a reliable outlet for goals, and, and I think there's some balance to go along with the experience in this Real Madrid side. They they never seem phased. I, I think that. At the start of the season, when Benzema was out earlier in the year, they were maybe lacking some options. But I think things have come together. They haven't been as healthy as they are, you know, in terms of players at full fitness as they are right now for Real Madrid as well, which makes them a difficult proposition. So, so looking at the outright boards, there's also futures plays when it comes to potential winning country um, in this tournament as well. England comes in at plus 167, Italy at plus 198, Germany plus 351, Spain at plus 695, Portugal at plus 1405. Um, Is there a play that you'd feel comfortable locking in 
for either one country or outright winner, or are you just going to stick with the individual matchups and potentially teams to advance to the semifinal? Jake, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to stick really. Um, Stick with Bayern Munich. I think they've got enough tools to hurt Manchester City um, over two legs. And if they get through that, then their price will shorten drastically. Um, They'll be very, very strong favourites to win the whole thing. And like I said, the only other play would be trying to get Benfica on side. And, you know, the, the, the price for country of winning team is actually a slight bit bigger than if you just back Benfica on the outright, even though Benfica are the only Portuguese team left in it. So that'd be the avenue is Portugal to be the country of winning team at plus 1405. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping to get to the semis at least and give us a run for our money against hopefully Napoli and what should be a really exciting tie. Andrew, what about you? Yeah, similar. I mean, I'm I'm still happy with my Bayern Munich um, pick. So the uh, yeah, the, the country of winning team is sort of hard to to go on that. I mean, I suppose you could take England if you think City will get through, but then I'm not sure Chelsea really add much to that. You probably as well to just back City to win. So yeah, uh, probably just stick to the the standard outright market. And um, as I say, pick Bayern. So I'm I'm sort of happy to stick with that. Interesting. I mean, there's been such negative sentiment about Bayern Munich this season. Well, it's one of the many reasons reportedly Nagelsmann's out of a job. It's just their inability to hold on to leads, at least domestically. I mean, I mean they've been flawless in, in the Champions League. They haven't lost a game and they've gone through some really good teams in the process. But this is part of it. Like, you know, no, Lewandowski's gone, Chupamoting and, and, and other players have done enough to provide goals. There's certainly great depth in this team, but they don't look like a vintage Bayern Munich side, maybe just in terms of their personnel. But neither one of you seem to be really phased by that whatsoever. Does that speak to the competition right now? Because this side heading into the Classicer this week and at the time of taping, Dortmund's a point better. And this is a Bayern Munich side that regularly goes on to, they've won 10 Bundesliga titles in a row and they've gone on to win those titles in the vast majority of the years by more than 10 points. Um, So certainly the consensus, at least amongst Bayern supporters, is that this team simply isn't what they have been in the past. But Jake, you don't seem to be bothered by that. No, no, not at all. Um, the underlying data is really strong still for Bayern Munich, um, which is important for me anyway. It suggests that what they got left in the Bundesliga, nine more matches, it suggests that they will, you know, come through, win that title because they're creating the most chances in the league. They're conceding the um, joint, well, I think there's only two teams that have conceded fewer. Um, RB Leipzig and Union Berlin. And, and I think that Thomas Tuchel is the, the guy that's going to come in and make that you know, make them the best defensive team in the league because he's got that kind of structure. He's got that kind of system that will be a little bit defence first, but when you've got so much attacking talent, um, you know, likes of Gnabry, Sane, Mane, um, then ultimately you're still going to create loads of chances and score goals. And um, But I think that defensive solidity really is key, especially over two legs in uh, against Manchester City. And we've seen that how he operates in the Champions League. You know, he won one with Chelsea, he got PSG to the final, so in back-to-back seasons as well. So he's he's very good. Um, in these kind of competitions. He also got to two cup finals last season with Chelsea as well, um, League Cup and FA Cup. Unfortunately, lost both on penalties, which is kind of the low margin football that we've come to expect um, from Tuchel. So it'd be interesting to see how he sets them up. And um, yeah, that the Classica game is going to be fascinating for that, just to get a gauge as to what sign, what system, what formation he wants to play, what players he puts in what positions. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think, as, as Andrew said, that the stats behind the the Pep Tuchel kind of head-to-head are really, um, really interesting. And it does suggest that Bayern have probably made a bit of a smart move in terms of employing Tuchel to try and 
almost get them over the hump, if you like, and win another Champions League. Although they only won one like three years ago, right? Right. Uh, well, well, there's the Pep Tuchel part of the conversation. There's also the Pep Bayern Munich part of the conversation. And why don't we make that our first feature game that we lock into? Uh, it's going to be played the opening of uh, the opening day of these of, of these four fixtures, uh, Tuesday, April 11th. City and Bayern Munich actually met in the group stage last of the 2013-2014 Champions League. Each side won away. Thomas Muller scored twice over the course of those ties. They, again, the following season, they played in the Champions League group stage. Each side won a home game. Sergio Aguero, Aguero a memorable home hat trick there. And they also met the group stage in 2011-2012 as well. And guess what? Both home sides won their game. Um, City around this these two games against Bayern Munich, not so much of a threat in the league in terms of league play, Southampton and Leicester City. And they actually got a beneficial draw coming out of it as well as their FA Cup semifinal as against Sheffield United. Um, City went on to draw uh, uh, um, uh, Red Bull Leipzig in in the last phase 1-1 before going on and smashing them 7-0. Erling Holland, five goals in that second performance. They had expected goals in that game of 5.15. Just incredible. Uh, four and two and zero oh in the group stage for City uh, in a group featuring Dortmund, Sevilla, in Copenhagen. Holland has the most goals in the Champions League. Surprise, surprise, with ten domestically. City at current times in second place, but they do have the expect best expected goal differential with Erling Holland leading the way with twenty eight goals in twenty five games. Uh, Bayern Munich got past PSG, but I'm not sure if that had more to do with what PSG didn't bring to the table or just the composure and what Bayern Munich did. It's very difficult to tell. They haven't lost and they featured in a group with Inter and Barcelona as well. One point back of Dortmund, but the Klasker, as I previously mentioned, is this weekend. 72 goals scored, 27 conceded on the season. That's the best in each category in the Bundesliga. Musiala, he's out injured right now, but I think he's expected back for these games. He left international duty with Germany. It shouldn't be a big concern, but Neuer and Lucas Hernandez have been long-term absentees and will not be coming back. To advance from this tie, Manchester City plays on pinnacle at minus 143. Bayern Munich at plus 111. And for the opening match that's going to be played at the Etihad, City are the favorites, minus 115, plus 291 for the draw. Plus 292 for a Bayern Munich win. The handicap set at half a goal, minus 115 to side uh, with Manchester City. On the plus side, minus 101 for Bayern Munich. The total is set at 2.75, minus 123 for the over, plus 103 for the under. So, Jake, what do you make of those numbers? Does anything stand out to you? Um, And in terms of the matchup overall, what are you looking at here? Yeah, I um I think <clears throat> I would have expected this goal line if Nagelsmann was Nagelsmann was sudden charge. So the fact that it stayed at two point seven five um has me wanting to lean under. So I'm I'm gonna lock in a under three goals on the Asian line, which is at minus one twenty eight. So it might be a little bit short for some, but I think that's an absolutely fair number. Um obviously under three means you get money back if there is exactly three goals, and if there's one or two or zero, you get a full payout. Um I, I think Tuchel's going to head to to the Etihad and, and really just just not so much stay in the tie because they're better than that, but try and contain City a little bit and frustrate them and and you know keep keep the tie close if anything um, to, ahead of a, a home game at the Alliance. 
Uh, more than capable of doing that. You only have to look at how they went on against Manchester. His Chelsea team played against Manchester City over the last couple of years. Um, all of the games ended one nil to City. Um, so his record there wasn't great. But the you know the, the low scoring factor um, remains. And yeah, obviously the, the famous one that he did win one nil was the Champions League final, which was a kind of similar, you know, really cagey kind of encounter where there was a lot of uh, possession in midfield, very few scoring chances for either team. And I expect it to be similar. So I'm more than happy to take under three in that first leg and and kind of cheer back the goals. Hope for an explosion in the second leg, mind. Andrew, what about you? Well, funny enough, I was thinking there might actually be quite a few goals um, <laughs> in this first leg tie, complete opposite to Jake. But uh, so we'll have to see who's who's right on that. I think it's an interesting one, really. I mean, Bayern of the team, Haaland has faced more than than any other, and he's got five goals and assists and an assist in seven games against them and lost every time. Now, I think he's perhaps got a better chance here than he than he would have had with Dortmund, you know, in the, in those games and stuff. But he's he has delivered against them in the past. Another thing with Bayern as well, they've got no away clean sheet against any team above 14th in the Bundesliga. And yet, despite that, they got one at Barcelona and they got one at PSG. So I'm not sure quite which is the sort of true uh, picture there, but they, they don't have many clean sheets away from home. And City have got fewer at home than Everton and Wolves and the same as Bournemouth and Forest. Like they don't keep many clean sheets at home this season for for whatever reason, you know, not quite as solid as they as they once were. So um, my suggestion was actually going to be both teams to score an over 2.5 goals. That's minus 101. Um, was my suggestion. Um, I think City will probably win the the home game, but um, obviously that sort of covers a few eventualities with that bet. So that's what I was. That's my suggestion. All right, C- contrasting views here. Um, I think the inevitable question we focused a lot on Bayern Munich, but rather than asking how is Pep going to mess this up, it should be how is Pep going to adjust? What is he going to do here? It's a club that he knows very well. A former player of his in Cancelo is now a Bayern Munich player. We'll see what kind of role that he has, whether it's an increased role under Thomas Tuchel as well. Um, so what does Pep do here to get the most out of the city side? Let's be honest here. A Premier League title would be wonderful this season. They're outsiders as of right now. But this is a priority competition to win and something he has yet to achieve with Manchester City, Andrew. So what do you expect from Pep to do with this City side to get the most out of this um, in this marquee tie? I mean, this that's basically the question of the round, isn't it? Like, what is Pep going to do? Is he going to sort of keep things um, simple? Is he going to mix it up? What's he going to do? I mean, in the in the final in 2021, um, he didn't play a defensive uh, holding midfielder or at least a a traditional one, um, which I think everybody thought was a, a mistake. And so it sort of proved. Um, obviously, that was Chelsea by Munich, but, you know, I referred to it because of the Tuchel factor. Um, yeah, very tough one to call. I think he would probably play it pretty straightforward um, on the basis that he probably doesn't know what Tuchel's going to do, doesn't know what Tuchel's Munich is going to look like. Not going to have too much sort of intel on that. So um, I would expect him to keep things simple, but then I would often expect him to keep things simple. And that's often, you know, what happens. It doesn't happen, sorry. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. Jake, any any idea? You never know what Pep's thinking, ever. He is, uh, he is the kind of guy that just overthinks, doesn't he, all the time? Unless it's about Julia Roberts, you know exactly where he stands. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, I um I'd be fascinated to see how this tactically sets up. Um 
like Andrew said, they're not going to have too much tape on um, on buying under Tuchel. But the other thing you have to factor in is that both teams have so many options. So it might be a, a tie that's decided off the bench because there's that much depth to both. Um, that yeah, the players that come on later in the game against potentially tired uh, opponents could really swing the tie and, and both have those kind of players in the locker. Um, yeah, you'd have to say he's actually played it very kind of straight recently, Pep. He's not messed around too much with formations and tactics in, in the Premier League. It's been very much a 4-3-3. You can basically name the 11 that he's been picking every single week. Um, so if they continue to play at the, the high level that they have been, you'd have to expect it's going to be the same. And uh, if they all stay fit, obviously. The only question is, does Foden come in for Grealish? But Grealish has been playing really well on the left-hand side. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's they always seem to have a really good tactical battle, these two coaches. Whenever you've watched them for Chelsea and Manchester City recently, it's been very um, reactive in game as well. They've been trying different things. They've been switching things up. Just just little nuances to try and get a small advantage within the match. Um, so I think it's going to be a fascinating tie to watch over two legs, just, to, just from a coaching standpoint, because these two are two of the very best touchline operators. Interesting. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, Bayern Munich getting plus money um, says something right now to advance. Uh, minus minus 143 for, for City to advance. It's, it's just that that number jumps off the page to me. And I don't know if it's as simple as the managerial change or one side having Erling Holland and the other not having that focal point up top. I'm, I'm not sure what that is. But Bayern Munich undefeated in this competition. I cannot wait to see how this plays out. Let's go to the other game that's being played on Tuesday, April 11th. It's Benfica and Inter. It's their first meeting since the fourth round of the UEFA Cup back in 2003-2004. It's been quite some time. Uh, to to win the tie, to advance from, from the tie, um, just going to my notes here, Benfica minus 113, minus 107. So Inter... The, the small favorite here to win the opening game, Benfica at plus 103, plus 233 on the draw, plus 295 for Inter to win. Um, the spread is set at half a goal, plus 103 for Benfica to cover, just like the win, minus 121 for the Inter uh, winner or a draw. The total set at 2.25, shouldn't surprise with Inter playing, minus 105 for the over, the under set at minus 113. Benfica does play Porto at home right before that opening match of this tie. Um, Benfica did so well in the last round of this competition. Um, they ended up winning their second game 5-1 and XG of 3.18 in that game. It was really a no contest in the round of 16. You're right. They won their group in a group featuring PSG and Juve and Maccabi Haifa. Um, Jao Mario is leading the way with six goals. Gonzalo Ramos, wonderful player. Um, he actually has scored 16 league goals with Jao Mero, 17 league goals uh, domestically. They have a 10-point lead as well over SC Porto domestically and an expected goal differential courtesy of InfoGoal of 50.4. As for Inter, easy games surrounding these ties, Monza and Empoli. Lukaku is back and he actually scored the goal against FC Porto in the last stage of this competition to punch their ticket through to the next round. 
Uh, he's starting to round into form. Lukaku really hasn't played much at all this season. Played over the course of the last month. Scored a hat trick on international duty as Belgium defeated Sweden. Came on as a substitute in both games against Porto as well. But him coming into this team provides a completely different element. They're third in Serie A. Two points behind uh, Lazio at present time. Lotaro Martinez, a good complimentary player, if you want to call him that. He's a wonderful talent. Uh, to Lukaku leading the line, scored 14 goals at second most in Serie A this season. Uh, Skriniar is due back mid-April, the center back. We'll see what sort of shape he's in, but this team has plenty when it when it comes to defensive reserves. So, Andrew, what do you make of this tie? Jake says he likes Benfica, thinks there might be some value in making a Benfica play, but Inter, one of those tried, tested, and true teams that are very difficult to beat. So what do you make of this tie? Yeah, I'm um, hot on Benfica for this one, both the, the game and the tie, really. I think them at plus 103 to win the, the first match looks looks great to me. Because they've won every home game this season, basically, apart from two. They drew with PSG, they drew with Sporting, um, but every other game at home they've won. And you've got into have only got the ninth best away record in Serie A um, at present. So everything points towards a, a, Benfica, a Benfica win for me. I think the interesting thing... To, in terms of how it might play out, uh, both teams have scored in six games for Benfica in the Champions League this season, which is the most of any team still in the competition. But it's only happened once um, in an intergame. So not quite sure which way that will play out. But I think, as I say, Benfica to win at plus 103 looks uh, looks very appealing to me. I mean, Benfica just battered Club Bruges, who are a team completely in dysfunction right now, onto yet another manager like... Did you really get a proper gauge based on that round of 16 or is it the balance of their work, Jake, that convinces you? Yes, the balance of the work. I mean, <clears throat> that um, yeah, that round of 16 tie was, for me, anyway, it was a formality. Like, there was only one team progressing there and and you know, I think we spoke about it when the last part where literally Club Bruges were really fortunate to be there. Their underlying data was shocking in the group stage um, and they fluked their way through to the next round. They were nowhere near the class of, of the Benfica that they ended up drawing. Um, and yeah, uh, granted, you can't take much from that from a Benfica perspective, but the performances in the group stage were eye-catching, um, not just the results, but the the underlying data. And obviously the way in which they dominated the Portuguese league this season has been um, pretty eye-catching as well. Uh, I think that they're just a better team in this matchup. I really do. Um, I'm looking at that plus number on Benfica to win, and I'm, I'm ready to take a punt on that. I think there's... Um, you mentioned the Inter rounding into, you know, they're getting a couple of players back fit, but their form has been really bad. They are struggling um, in, in the league. They've lost four of the last nine in the league. Um, the two games that you mentioned that actually surround this tie, uh, Monza and Empoli, they drew at Monza last time they played and they lost to Empoli. So then there's not, they're not going to be gimmies and layups. And, and I think that ultimately you look at the league table and they're so competitive to finish in the top four in Serie A this season that, um, you know, Inter are going to be flat out for every single match right now, and yeah, they they just they just really struggling to create chances at the minute, which is a huge concern. Um, you know, one zero point five eight against Verona, who are you know the bottom three. one point three five at home to Empoli. You know, struggled to get anything on target against Sampdoria, who are also in the bottom three. Zero point nine one against Bologna. Zero point nine five against Lecce. So. You know, they, they are a team that are, look like they're malfunctioning at the moment. They're not the best and Benfica are the opposite. So uh, I'm more than happy to 
to take Benfica and also there's that bit of collateral form as well if that if that interests anybody which is the fact that ben, that Porto actually outcreated them um, particularly in Portugal and over two legs the XG was actually in Porto's favour marginally so um, Benfica are a better team than Porto Inter Milan struggled when creating chance to create chances when travelling um, to Portugal last time they played so yeah I'm all over a Benfica win here I think they'll want to make a bit of a statement and not so much put one foot in the semi-finals but They'll want to get a victory and something to hang on to at the uh, at the San Siro because they will fancy the chances of playing counter-attacking football as well. I, I understand that, but their shape and the way they play lend to these tight, cagey games. And 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 let's see what that means for this tie. Inter Milan simply just don't concede goals. They just don't. Like they're just a very stubborn, difficult team to break down. That simply hasn't changed. And you know, uh, we'll, they conceded we'll two to Spezia a few weeks ago. Yeah, but other than that, go, go, go through the recent game. They also conceded two Lost to Monza back in back back in January. I I I, under, I understand all of that. Lost to Bologna recently as well. But the games against the, the two games against Porto shows the way that they're going to play these two games against Benfica. And I'm not sure there's advantage of playing one country after another. Some, certainly, Real Madrid have benefited that playing English sides in recent years. The familiarity. Uh, there's something about this Inter team that they're just so stubborn. I think it's going to be a real challenge for Benfica. Um, j- just my perception. I'm not sure who's going to come out of this, but I think it's going to be very, very low scoring, very tight, very cagey. And there might be some value um, betting on the handicap with the underdogs over the course of these two games. Yeah, I uh, I, I disagree. I think, I think I think the good golf is too big between these sides. And um, I, I think the ultimately the this apart from Napoli, the state of Italian football is is really low at the moment. And um, yeah, if Inter had drawn any other team other than Porto, I think they would have got knocked out in the last round because I don't rate them whatsoever. So I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm just writing this down. Happily, with, uh, yeah, yeah, a, a team happily with, 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 with Otamendi at the back that Jake is this confident. Yeah, I'm sure Batongan's still knocking around there as well. Is he? Or is he <laughs> yeah, I think he's long gone from Benfica. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. We can't we can't wait for can, it. Um, I can hear a head to head champ coming on where is it I, I didn't even say i was just i was playing devil's advocate jake oh, so okay. yeah low you don't want a piece of the head-to-head head action is that what it is I, I, I do i do not i'm not that confident <laughs> with this tie uh let's move on to the wednesday fixtures real madrid and chelsea uh played in the quarterfinals back in 2022 we get this matchup all over again it was a Benzema hat trick in the first leg. Chelsea was up 3 0 in the second leg until Rodrigo and Benzema. If you're a Chelsea supporter, you don't want to be hearing this. It all went pear shaped. Real Madrid advanced 5 4. Real Madrid then played played City and Liverpool and played Liverpool this season as well. And they played Liverpool in the quarterfinals of 2021. Then Chelsea in the in the semifinals. Like all of these ties, Real Madrid playing English sides in this competition is something that we've really come accustomed to. Real Madrid has ties against Villarreal and Cadiz in between these two Chelsea fixtures. Um, Real Madrid, sorry. Andrew smashed Liverpool over the course of the two games, the XG. Um, not in the first game, but certainly in the second game, played out in their favor in a 1-0 victory, which was kind of a dead rubber in the end. I mean, Liverpool wasn't coming back in this tie. I love Vinicius Jr. I think he's just such an incredible talent. Six goals in this competition, tied for the fourth most. Their second place in La Liga, 12 points back of Barcelona at present time. Uh, they've the most goals scored uh, and Benzema leading the way on the season for them with 11 Chelsea being a mess all season 
Uh, they're 10th place, 10th best in expected goal differential in the Premier League as well. Uh, Kai Havertz uh, leads them in scoring with just seven goals on the season. Uh, around these fixtures, they're at Wolves, at Real Madrid. Then they play Brighton, and then they play Real Madrid. I'm not sure how much of a push, if any, there will be for European football this season from this Chelsea side. Um they got through against Dortmund. It wasn't pretty at all times, but the good news is the XG started to turn in their favor, a team that struggled to create goals, 2.34 and 2.47 in each of the legs. So, um, and we'll see where Thiago Silva is for Chelsea. He's so, so important at center back. Uh, he's going to be touch and go in terms of his return to, to, to fitness and Golo Conte though, uh, of all the injuries and all the players coming and going, He is on the road to recovery, how much and whether he will play a role that remains to be seen. Real Madrid, the favorite in the first leg, minus 123 for the win, plus 268 for the draw, plus 346 for the away win. Uh, The over-under set at two and a half, minus 101 for the over, minus 118 for the under. And to advance from this tie, Real Madrid, minus 182 and Chelsea, plus 134. Can you make a case for Chelsea? here jake at all uh I, I i know that andrew's tipping real madrid i believe not to put words in your mouth based on what you said earlier uh, can you make a case for chelsea at all in this competition based upon familiarity factor um you can definitely make a case yeah because they've got a lot of quality players in there they've got a manager that we obviously that we like um graham potter he probably is going to need more time to get them up to the level required to win this kind of tie but they've definitely i definitely wouldn't write them off um, I think this is probably the closest, in my mind, the closest um, tie in terms of who progresses. Because while Real Madrid are the defending champions, they obviously boast some incredible players. Chelsea have got the kind of tools to hurt them, which is ultimately, if they wanted to, they could play a bit of a deep line block, play on the counter attack, which I think would really catch Real Madrid out. And Real Madrid are usually a team that likes playing those quick transitions. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, this is going to be a really intriguing tie. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than the Liverpool tie. Not because I think Chelsea are better than Liverpool, but I think that Chelsea's defensive solidity and defensive shape is much better than, than Liverpool um, uh, has been this season since Potter took over. And I think that can frustrate Real Madrid, um, particularly in the first leg. I don't think they'll have it all their own way. Um, I was looking at the unders in this one. Um, again, under two and a half goals is a, it's a minus one eighteen, so it is the favourite on the line. But you know, the, I I just can't see if this gets high scoring and end to end kind of football. I think Real Madrid will outscore Chelsea. So there's only one way that Chelsea are going to advance, and that is by keeping it tight and close and um, and hoping to scrape a, a, a goal at somewhere. So. Yeah, I don't expect it to be the same as last season, which was obviously a bit mental. The 3-1 at the bridge and then Chelsea looking like they were going through, only for Real Madrid to decide to turn up for 10 minutes and win the tie. Um, It's not going to be that chaotic, I don't think. I think we're going to see a a tight first leg um, and it might open up in the second leg, depending if anyone's got a lead. But yeah, going off what we saw against um, uh, Liverpool at the Bernabeu as well, Liverpool team who, in theory, needed to score four goals never looked like scoring. So Real Madrid have shown that they are a little bit capable at the back as well. So, yeah, I'm happy to take the unders. Um, I do give Chelsea a chance, but obviously I still make Real Madrid favourites. Andrew? Yeah, basically the same, really. I mean, you look at the tie last uh, last season, obviously Real Madrid won it, as we know, but it was 4.4 to 2.2 on the XG in Chelsea's favour, which is probably the one thing you can say, sort of, you know, to make <laughs> a case for them. 
obviously they've not been doing as well um, this season. But um thing that stands out for me for Chelsea is they're 10th in the league. And so far, they haven't beaten a team that's currently above them in the table, which is just ridiculous when they're in 10th. If you were fourth, that's one thing. But to not have done that when you're when you're 10th is is crazy. And obviously, uh, between now and when they play the tie, they'll probably beat Liverpool at home because Liverpool's away form has been so bad this season. <laughs> but basically, they've, they've not beaten anyone, um, anyone half decent in the Premier League at all, home or away. So I think because of that, you have to look at... Um, Real, really. Um, you know, their only home defeats this season have been to Barcelona. Only Barcelona have scored more than once um, in the Bernabeu this season. Chelsea, obviously, have been very wasteful in front of goal as well. Um, so I could see it being a low-scoring game, as as Jake says. But I think um, Real Madrid to win, minus 123. I think that's probably the way to go. I think they will win this, uh, they will win this match, the first leg at least. That, that's where I was going, Andrew. Like, would it be wrong to suggest that? probably is the best bet of the round Real Madrid to win this game at home at minus 123 those odds seem a little bit short for a Chelsea team that can't win away Ancelotti's won everything Potter's won nothing yet I, I, we'll see a lot he of young players Cup, to be fair to him okay chopping and changing <laughs> in this Chelsea side I'm not sure Potter knows what his best 11 is isn't all of his fault he has an army full of players some of them fit some Reese James can't stay fit some of the key players can't find a way to stay on the field I, I, just Real Madrid doing well in this competition with a consistent 11 with a healthy healthy side playing at home it's a near certainty isn't it like minus 123 that seems exceptionally short for this game, well, no, I mean, I, I sort of agree. I mean, I still, I still think Benfica to win at home is probably the the better the round for me. But yeah, I mean, I'm very confident that the that Real Madrid can win this game. So yeah, as you say, at minus one twenty three, it looks like a looks like a lot really to me. I'd have to say. I don't know what we, Jake thinks. We might have to have some head to heads about this Benfica love here. Okay, go go ahead, Jake. Minus one twenty three. Are you hitting that? Um, maybe. Maybe, uh, I yeah, <laughs> I I do respect Chelsea. I respect their ability at the back. Um, you know, if anyone who's listened to the EPL Insights pod knows that defensively their XG process has improved since Potter's come in. They're they're conceding fewer chances, and and if you do that and you keep things tight, then you know obviously the chance of avoiding defeat increases. And you know they've got they've got a lot of really good players in there. You know, if, even if Kante's not playing, you've got a, an Enzo Fernandez and a Matty of Kovacic midfield if they're if they're available, which is. Is very good. Um, you know, Thiago Silva is a miss. The fact that Badishil wasn't included in the Champions League squad is probably going to hurt them if Thiago Silva is not available. Um, I'm glad but, you brought you know, that up. Got, yeah, yeah. You've, which I thought was really weird. I mean, he he's slotted straight in at centre half, hasn't he? When um, Thiago Silva's been out and he's looked really good. But you know, minus one twenty three. Do I think there's that much of a gulf between these two teams? Probably not. I probably would avoid that one. Um, very, very interesting because yeah. I've I, I think that this is the easiest passage for any side in this competition. Real Madrid getting past Chelsea, good Yo. players don't great players don't make a, a great team, and that's certainly what Chelsea have shown that, that this I know, I'm, they are I'm just a thinking work in these, progress. These matchups, like you're, you're, I mean, I agree with you. I think Vinicius is one of the most one of the best players in the world right now. But he's coming up against Reese James, who's a pretty good if, if he's fit. Right back. If, he, if he's fit, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, there's always a bit of injury question marks. His hamstring has been a massive or, issue. So, um, yeah, obviously, if if those kind of things go against Chelsea, then I don't really give them too much of a chance. I think Chelsea have to have the full strength team on the pitch 
um, to have any chance. And that, I guess I probably would exclude Kante because he hasn't played all season long. But if they can get everyone else there, if Shao Felix is fit and plays and you know Havertz is there and plays, there's so many different systems that they can play that can maybe you know trip Ancelotti up a little bit to make it interesting, make them awkward. Then I, I do give them a shot, but um, yeah, if there are a couple of injuries to key players, mainly those two fullbacks, because we saw the detrimental impact it had on Chelsea last season under Tuchel when they were both out injured at uh, the start of the season, when they were both out injured, obviously cost Tuchel his job effectively. A guy that plays with uh, back five and wing backs without his wing backs effectively, and, and you know how do you how do you how do you kind of get 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 the team going again? So yeah, there's there's those caveats, of course, but. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a little bit too short, Real Madrid. I don't think I don't trust them enough. Um, they're the kind of team that would like lose this game and then win at Stamford Bridge and qualify. That's the kind of team Real Madrid are. Uh, let's spend the last five minutes dealing with the fourth and final uh, quarterfinal matchup. It's AC Milan and Napoli. Uh, April's going to bring a lot of this tie as this weekend, uh, after we record this podcast, Milan's going to play at Napoli. Um, Milan's in fourth place, but they're four points at a second. Meanwhile, they're, they're holding off Roma and Atalanta and even Juventus still in the rearview mirror, despite everything they've gone through this season, trying to chase them down. Um, Olivier Giroud and Rafael Leao have both scored eight goals in the domestic season. Was Giroud leading the way in the Champions League, scoring four goals as well? They got past a very poor Spurs side in the round of 16, and they play Empoli and Bologna around these ties against Napoli. By the way, 41-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic is back, and he's returned to this team, and he's actually scored a goal for them. Um, not sure if he can throw another elder statesman into the mix and whether it will make any difference whatsoever. Napoli have been one of the stories, if not the story of the season. Um, they're leading Serie A by 19 points. Kvera Donna, he's been unbelievable. He scored 12 goals on the City A season. Victor Osman leading the way. He's top goal scorer in City A with 21. Dispatched, easily got through a group with Liverpool, Ajax, Rangers. Uh, Raspadori, Simeone, Osman, and Zielinski, all with four goals. So there's been a bounce scoring attack as well. Plus 225 for a Milan win in the first leg, plus 236 for the draw, plus 128 for a Napoli win. The handicap is set at 0.25. Um, Milan's the underdog at minus 112. Uh, Napoli, uh, minus 0.25 at minus 105. The goal total set at 2.25, minus 124 for the over, plus 104 for the uh, for the under. And Milan, the biggest underdog uh, to advance out of any of these ties, plus 202 to advance, Napoli to advance at minus 253. So how do you prognosticate this one, Andrew? Well, we've already spoken about um, how good Napoli are. I mean, they've got 37 points away from home at the time of recording and Milan have only got 29 at home. So they've been better on the road than Milan have been at home, which obviously you don't see very often. They also won 2-1 at Milan earlier this season, though in fairness, it was 2.6 to 1.1 on XG um, in Milan's favour, that one. So perhaps a little bit fortunate there. But I think it helps Napoli in a way that, you know, they're in an unfamiliar situation of being in a Champions League um, quarterfinal, yet they get to play a team that they obviously know really well because they play them a couple of times every season, maybe in the Cup as well and stuff like that. In terms of the game itself, I mean, um, I noticed Milan are top of Serie A for, for games with over 2.5 goals and games where both teams score. 
So over 2.5 goals in the in the first leg is plus 105 and both teams to score is is minus 120. I think there's chance both of those could could come in but I I'd, I'd just be looking at Napoli to win the the first leg at plus 128 I think they uh I think they've got the everything they need to do that really so not very exciting a sort of selection but I, it it seems quite straightforward to me this one straightforward for you Jake um it was going to be but there has been some breaking news that Victor Osimhen could well be out for this first leg he picked up an injury um on international duty but as you perfectly said, they've been distributing the goals around in the Champions League. You've got Raspadori and Simeone. You can step in there, Politano as well. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's caused a bit of a move in the price. I don't know if you've noticed. They're now plus 142 to win this first leg. So there's jumped up a little bit from what Andrew's just said there. Um, it doesn't put me off at all. I think even if Osman is you know, he's a great player, probably one of the best strikers in the world right now. Um, but they've got enough tools to hurt Milan in other ways. And I definitely think that the 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 price there at plus one forty two is for me is value. I think that they should be a little bit shorter. You look at I know it's this is a completely different competition, but as Andrew said, that the point differential is is huge in terms of Napoli's favour. Um, you know they're twenty three points clear of uh, of AC Milan in the in the league, which is a monumental kind of difference, really. And and their expected goal difference is twice as good. So there's really um, a lot to like about Napoli. I was looking at this from a slightly different perspective, though. I think AC Milan will keep things very tight. I don't think they'll want to give too much away. And, and you know, you look at their Champions League matches this season. Obviously, they played Spurs to a 1-0 and a 0-0. Granted, that's Spurs, and who don't create many chances anyway. Um, but, you know, they, they had a 2-0 against Chelsea when hosting. 3-0 um, at the bridge. Granted, it went over, but there was a red card in that one. Um, and, yeah, I, I, they generally will keep things very tight. And Napoli are a team that have improved defensively. They started the season off with a ridiculous number of um, expected goals for. Like they were creating loads of chances. They still are, but they've actually gone slightly away from the gung-ho nature that saw them win and both teams score. Um, they've actually kept clean sheets in all of the last seven in the league um, and in, in eight of the last nine in the league. And obviously two clean sheets in the Champions League against Frankfurt as well. So I was actually looking at both teams to score no in this first game at minus 103 um, as a potential um, a potential play and maybe even combining the two, a Napoli win to nil, which comes out at plus 316. So a pretty big price there. Um, but it's something that Napoli have been doing week in and week out in Serie A recently and and you know I just think there's a massive gulf between these two teams I mean you talk about the backup striking options you've got like I said Raspadori and Simeone and then on the AC Milan side you've got Giroud and Ibrahimovic and there's a little bit of a you know a an age gap <laughs> but also there's um you know the the, the the lads at Napoli have filled in very very well uh whenever Osman's been out so yeah I I, I think that starting with Napoli in some some sort of low scoring game would be where I go you love the breaking news during an hour-long record for a podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. We just missed the breaking news trumpet, didn't we? Like, yeah. Yes. Uh, so he'll be reevaluated next week. Looks to be out a couple weeks. The second leg is going to be played the week of the 25th, um, and, and that may be enough time. Interesting to note that Napoli have won each and every one of their seven games they played without Victor Osman this season, including 
the tie that Andrew mentioned, the 2-1 win um, against AC Milan earlier this season. And perhaps that number goes up and there might be some more value to have as this certainly isn't just a one-player team, Andrew, is it? This Napoli team, there is balance in this group and they are not just where they are, not just because of Osimhen, but because of the balance of the team. Very good at center back, um, very good from wide areas as well, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, in, good in all areas, really. I mean, as you say, Cavaradonna, um, he's in double figures for goals and assists. I think there's only about five players in the big leagues of of Europe who, are, who have hit double figures for both so far this season. He's one of them. So obviously he'll have a huge impact. And um, as Jake said, you know, they've been sharing the goals round in this competition, four players each on four goals. One of them's Osimhen. Obviously, if he misses out, that will be a loss. But yeah, they've, they've, they've got options all over the pitch, really. And um, yeah, I think they... Uh, as I've said, I think they should get through this um, even without Osman. I mean, obviously, a shame if he's missing, but I'm still confident that they'll get through. Brilliant, guys. Uh, keep it locked on Pinnacle uh, for the latest odds as they shift, and we'll see what kind of impact an injury like this. And look, there's plenty other big games that are going to be played between now and when these fixtures are played. So make sure you stay up to date with the latest and you can follow along. Um, where can people follow you, Jake and Andrew, on Twitter? First, you, Jake. Uh, at jcos 2 zs And Andrew? At base tune to red So as things change and perhaps sentiment change as well, um, but it doesn't seem like anything will move them off the Bayern Munich bandwagon, but who knows? The Classicer this weekend may just do the trick. Um, This has been the UCL betting blueprint. We'll remind you, follow Pinnacle on Twitter at Pinnacle, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, and keep it locked to all platforms. The Masters are coming up next weekend from Augusta. We can't wait for that. pinnacle of your best odds there and the mlb season has started of course in major league baseball and we're excited about that as well so pinnacle pinnacle has you covered for all of that um gamble within your limits and the odds that we've shared over the course of this podcast were correct at the time of recording for andrew and jake i am gareth wheeler this has been the betting blueprint courtesy of pinnacle